These are the proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline and to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insights to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. My child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill someone. Just for fun, let us ambush the innocent. Let us swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Think of the great things we will get. We will fill our houses with all the stuff we take. Come, throw in your lot with us. We'll all share the loot. My child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their paths. They rush to commit evil deeds. They hurry to commit murder. If a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. But these people set an ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed. Such is the faith of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls out to the crowd along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. How long, you simpletons? Will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So, I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when the calamity overtakes you like a storm when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me, for they hated knowledge and choose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, 
they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own shames, for simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency, but all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by the fear of harm. Wake up! Wake up, O Zion! Clothe yourselves with strength. Put on your beautiful clothes, O holy city of Jerusalem, for unclean and godless people will enter your gates no longer. Rise from the dust, O Jerusalem. Sit in a place of honor. Remove the chains of slavery from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For this is what the Lord says. When I sold you into exile, I received no payment. Now I can redeem you without having to pay for you. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Long ago, my people chose to live in Egypt. Now they are oppressed by Assyria. What is this? asks the Lord. Why are my people enslaved again? Those who rule them shout in exultation. My name is blasphemed all day long, but I will reveal my name to my people and they will come to know its power. Then, at last, they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. The watchmen shout and sing with joy. For before their very eyes, they see the Lord returning to Jerusalem. Let the ruins of Jerusalem break into joyful singing. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has demonstrated his holy power before the eyes of all the nations. All the ends of the earth will see the victory of our God. Get out! Get out and leave your captivity. Where everything you touch is unclean, get out of there and purify yourselves. You who carry home the sacred objects of the Lord, you will not live in a hurry, running for your lives. For the Lord will go ahead of you. Yes, the God of Israel will protect you from behind. See, my servants, will I prosper. He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human, and from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see what they had not been told, they will understand what they had not heard about. Scripture says his mercies endures forever. His mercies endures forever. From everlasting to everlasting. When I say it's by the grace of God we're not consumed, I mean exactly what I say. I mean exactly what I say. There have been several opportunities for us to be destroyed. Some of us, it is the works of our hands that even destroy us. Some of us, our ways are so evil 
that we should have been destroyed and consumed. You see, but God doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way. God looks down on us and goes, if I let my anger and my wrath fall, these people will just, they will just disappear. They will just disappear. That is why God says, you know, I'll have mercy on them. But the grace of God is not to be abused, folks. So many people are abusing the grace of God. You cannot abuse. See, I speak as an oracle of God. When I speak, I speak the grace of God. Just like the Apostle Paul, he always prayed that the grace of God be with the brethren. You have to ask for the grace of God because that is the only way you're not consumed. Your righteousness, my righteousness, is like a filthy rag before God. So therefore, it is by the grace of God we are not consumed. So I speak as an oracle. I speak the grace of God. I also speak repentance. Matter of fact, these past few days, the word repentance has been heavy in my heart. Many of us need to repent. We need to re You know what it means to repent? If a wall was painted blue, for example, and I say, hey, repent that to be white or repent that to be red, it means whatever was there before, remove it and put something else. Or cover it with something else. Cover it with the blood of Jesus. Repent. If your heart used to be full of doubt and fear and unforgiveness and hatred and variance and malice and strife and drunkenness and adulteration and malicious behavior and thoughts of evil, repent. Remember what happened in the days of Noah. Now, Jesus said, the days of the coming of the Son of Man shall be like the days of Noah. The Bible says the evil in their heart was so much. God said, he said, he said, my spirit can no longer strive with man. He said, my spirit can no longer strive with man because the thoughts of their heart is evil continually. Can you imagine the thoughts of a man's heart? being evil continuously with no stop that is crazy folks but god said repent it has been heaven in my heart repent some of us need to repent from unbelief just like the israelites the scripture says it was because of their unbelief that is why they didn't enter into the promised land and god swore that they would not enter into his rest why because of unbelief they were delivered from the hands of the Egyptians. But they never made it to freedom, which is the land of Canaan. Some, so many of you are delivered from hell. You're saved. You belong to God, but you're still in bondage. You can't be saved and still be in bondage. The Israelites were saved from Egypt, but they were still in bondage to their unbelief. They still didn't believe that God can finish the work that he started. Think about this, folks. What is unbelief? What is unbelief? Unbelief is when you do not agree or when you do not think that 
God can do it. That is unbelief. When you don't think that God, because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So it is what you think that you become. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It is what you think that you become. If you think you are a failure, you become a failure. If you think that you cannot be saved, folks, you cannot be saved. The heart of a man is very desperately wicked. The heart of a man, when I say the heart is the mind, your heart represents your mind, your soul, your, 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 your belief's location. That's where your belief is stored in your heart. It was your, that's why the Bible says it's with your heart you believe. Right? You confess with your mouth, but you believe with your heart. Without that belief, you cannot be saved, folks. Without that belief, that situation cannot go away. So, whatever the problem is in your life, whatever the situation is in your life, whatever the uh, case is with you, if you don't believe that that can be changed, it will not be changed. It will not be changed, folks. Repent means to change the way you think. So, when the scripture says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, it's basically saying, change the way you think. For the kingdom of God is here. That's the meaning of that. Change the way you think for the kingdom of God is here. Repent means to change the way you think. Repent, reconsider, readjust your belief system. Believe in the gospel. Believe in Jesus, not in your works. Believe in Jesus. And when you believe in Jesus, believe that he can also deliver you from your sin. The Bible says this is the reason the Son of Man was manifest, that he might destroy the works of darkness. If you don't believe that Yeshua, that God, Jesus, can destroy the works of darkness, it will not be so for you. Do you see? Repent. All these words have been in my heart heavy. I admonish them. I admonish you all. I admonish you all to always ask God for grace. The scripture says, let us come boldly to the presence of God to receive mercy and grace in time of need. Let us therefore come boldly. It says, for we have not an high priest who cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, but he was like us, tried in every area. So let us come to the presence of God boldly, with boldness. Don't come afraid. God says, come and let us find grace in time of need. Let us ask him for grace. Ask your father for grace. Do not let that situation keep you down. Go ahead and ask your father for grace. Ask him. Ask him, folks. I'm going to read the book of First Thessalonians chapter 2 today as our reading. And I pray that as you hear these words, God will speak to you. You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet, our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. 
He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not preaching or pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living, so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preached God's good news to you. You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. Therefore, we never stopped thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. And then, brothers and sisters, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen. In this way, you imitated the believers in God's churches in Judea, who, because of their belief in Christ Jesus, suffered from their own people, the Jews. For some of the Jews killed the prophets, and some even killed the Lord Jesus. Now, they have persecuted us too. They failed to please God and walk against all humanity. As they try to keep us from preaching the good news of salvation to the Gentiles. By doing this, they continue to pile up their sins. But the anger of God has caught up with them at last. Dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you for a little while, Though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come to you and I, Paul, tried again and again but Satan prevented us. After all, what gives us hope and joy? And what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ when he returns? It is you. Yes. You are our pride and joy. May the Lord bless these wonderful words in our hearts. Amen.